Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. Please stand for our processional hymn, Hosanna, Loud Hosanna, verses 1 and 2, in your hymnal, page 278. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. You give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever.
please join me for our opening prayer printed in your bulletin. O Lord, our God, whose Son followed your will, both as servant and savior, and now rules in the hearts of those who accept him as king, open our hearts to his rule, that we may rejoice in the blessings of his kingdom and share with those who honor him with their lives. In his name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning on this Palm Sunday. It is good to be with you in order to celebrate this time of uh, the season of Lent coming to an end almost. We're right here at the edge of Holy Week. As we go into this time, let us remember that we are on a, a journey, a journey that is in this time of in celebration today, because every Sunday is a, a mini Easter in and of itself. As we know that's going forward as we go throughout this week, the times of the attitudes of what we're experiencing do change as we go through the week before we celebrate again on Easter Sunday. I want you to take note of some of the announcements in here today. Uh, Monday, Thursday service will be on Thursday. Please put that on your calendar. Uh, the VBS Lenten uh, offering uh, next Sunday will be our, the end of that, so make sure if you haven't gone already, you can give today. There are envelopes uh, in the back at the, on the, uh, in the narthex there. Also, uh, remember that flower orders must be in today uh, as we can uh, be able to just beautify the sanctuary for next Sunday. Uh, and you can take note of the other things that are listed in here. Uh, in order for you to be mindful of what's going on within the church. It is good to be in God's house together on this Sunday. Julie? Am I on? I think I'm on. If I could have the children meet me in the back back here today. We're going to go on a journey. So come on and join me. I want you to know that this is a pretty cool sanctuary. And it's a pretty cool sanctuary because it has a lot of hints to this week, Holy Week. That's what this week is called, is Holy Week. And so I want to show you how this sanctuary helps, remember, helps you remember everything that happened during Holy Week. The first thing is about today, Palm Sunday. And so we have this beautiful center aisle here. So we're going to walk down this center aisle just like Jesus walked down an aisle to enter into Jerusalem. And all of the people waved their palm branches like you guys did so well. And they laid their cloaks down so that the horse wasn't walking, the, the, uh, wasn't, the donkey, thank you, wasn't walking in mud. And so the, the sign that I want you guys to remember for when you remember Palm Sunday is to wave your palm branches. So pretend like you have a palm branch and wave it right now. Can you do that? Good job. I love it. Then we come to these altar rails next. And do you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Monday, Thursday, which we're going to celebrate this Thursday. 
And that is when Jesus gave communion. He gave the bread and the juice to his disciples for the first time. And, um, and that's what we used to do here at the altar rail before COVID. We used to have people come up and you knelt and you got served the bread and the juice. So this reminds me of Monday, Thursday and the communion and the sign. So can you do the sign it's to take the bread, the juice, and then say the prayer. So bread, juice, and prayer. That's for Monday, Thursday. But we're not done with our journey yet, are we? Let's go on up here. We're going to come to the altar. And there's this cross, this golden cross. And that is what reminds me of Good Friday, the day that Jesus died on the cross. And that's what this cross is here to remind us of, that he did that for us. And the sign that I want you to do, and I can't do it because of the microphone, but put your arms out like a cross. And then I want you to lower your head. It is finished. And that's what happened on Good Friday. And that could be the end of the story, but it's not. Because we know about Easter, right? We live on this side of, of, um, of the first Easter. And so we're not done. Go all the way to the very, very front of the church. And do you see that big cross there? But I want you to look beyond the cross. What do you see behind the cross? Do you see the shadows from those lights? That's like victory, right? It's not Jesus saying it is finished. It's him saying, victory, I have risen. Yes, hallelujah. And that's the sign I want you to remember for Easter. Can you do that one? <laughs> Very good. So don't forget, here's the um, Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, but the very best is Easter, what happens behind the cross, all right? All right, guys, I want you to go get a treat there in that little, back, uh, little um, bag right there, and then you can head on back to your seat, and everyone else, you can join Great is, Our Faith, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness hymn. You can remain seated.
Today, as we come to our time of prayer together, I just want to uh, recall a little bit from this past week. It's been a, a week of grief within our congregation uh, with the loss of Bonnie Wagoner and then also my wife's aunt and my mother-in-law's sister who are with us uh, had passed away, Barbara Mead. Many of you may have run into Barbara Mead as she was a kindergarten teacher at Tecumseh for uh, maybe 40 years or some long time. Um, so it's been a, a week of just uh, times of celebration within the family of celebrating the lives of those that meant so much to us, but also that time of grieving uh, that happens when we lose our loved ones. So that is something that has been on uh, my heart and uh, my family's heart this week and uh, Jeff and uh, the, fam the Weber family. Uh, as well as uh, has been a part of their week this week. So keep uh, us all in mind as you continue your prayers throughout the week, knowing that this time of uh, a holiday of Easter is, is amidst of our minds as well. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, we are grateful. Grateful that we do have in our minds the understanding of who you are, of who you are in us and what you offer us through your Son, Jesus Christ. It is in what we know about Jesus and his journey through this week ahead that we remember and recall the journey to the cross, but the, also the journey coming out of the tomb. Lord, it is this hope that we have in the resurrection that we are able to walk in our grief with an eye on the goodness of your glory. Lord, we are grateful that you do walk with us in the midst of that. That you give us encouragement and courage to take each step. Lord, we are grateful that we have uh, people around us, the body of Christ who lifts us up, that helps us keep our eyes on you and the hope that you give to us. As today we look at the reception of, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, Lord, we hope to capture that excitement. That that excitement is something that is within us, that we understand who Jesus is and what he means for us. That we can hold on to that each and every day. That we can find joy in the Lord. And when we find joy in the Lord and people can see that in us, we have a chance to share your love. It brings life. Life within the church, but also life beyond the church. So give us that excitement again today, O oh God. Draw us close to you. Give us a hope that brings joy. Let's now share the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, 
as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Amen. Friends, we are here to worship. Worship to us may mean a lot of different things. And one of those things that doesn't often come to mind about our worship is our offering. Our giving back of what has been given to us. So as we worship today, know that you are worshiping with your gifts. Ushers, would you please wait upon us? together in this dedication. Thank you, O God, for coming to us in Christ Jesus. Work through these gifts that the world might know the breadth of your mercy and your grace. Bless our very lives that we might be faithful disciples and stewards of your love. With gratitude and joy we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which is today taken from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus went, sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. 
This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Amen.
Thanks, Bill Choir. That was beautiful. <clears throat> we appreciate your time and effort that brings us this beauty for us. Every four years, Washington, D.C. is overcome by crowds of people coming from all around the country and likely from around the world. The city prepares for the masses to arrive. Weeks before the inauguration of our president, barricades are placed to outline the streets to protect the motorcades and the bands that would parade along with the president from the Capitol building to the White House. Many areas of the city are restricted to manage the flow of people coming for the inauguration ceremony and the parade. Security teams are brought in by great numbers to not only control the crowds, but to squelch any attempts to disrupt the event. In recent years, there has been greater concern for demonstrations against the transition of power with the increase of aggressive rhetoric between political parties. When the ceremony begins, the crowds in support of the president-elect are celebrating and shouting out the victor's name while others are feeling uneasy, wondering what the days ahead might bring. With our country so visibly and vocally split over who the president has been or will be the past decade or so, there are always reports of concerns of how the new administration will conduct business, what leaders the president will select to join them, and what policies could be brought before Congress. But even in all of the craziness, the transition of power from president to president-elect has taken place. This is what we've come to expect every four to eight years. However, in 2021, there was more resistance to the transition. There were some that were adamant that the shouldn't be a transition, while others pushed for the transition to be completed. There was clear division leading up to the inauguration celebration. The presidential transition of power and the inaugural parade is as close as a comparison I could come up with in our experience. As we can get to Jesus and the spontaneous parade down the Mount of Olives and up to the city of Jerusalem. It is hard for us to understand the environment that Jesus and his supporting crowds were encountering. But maybe the atmosphere of 2021 may give us a sense of what it was. The Jewish people hadn't had a true king in a very long time, and the one who was called king on their behalf, appointed by the Roman Empire, was a puppet king of the empire. The Roman authorities didn't tolerate anyone claiming kingship in one of their territories. Israel was just one small piece of the empire. There was only one in power of the totality of the empire, and that was the emperor, Emperor Tiberius. If we think back, remember the reaction to Jesus' birth. With rumblings that a king was born, the authorities ordered all male children under two to be executed. Now, consider an adult in his prime, coming on the scene with crowds crying out, chants lifting him up as the king of the Jews, while thousands upon thousands of Jews from all over the empire were gathering in Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. 
When Jesus entered Jerusalem, Romans and Jews alike were fearful of what could happen if this unsuspecting, unconventional king were to gain popular support. Are you getting the sense of what the atmosphere was like on that first parade of the palms? Riding into this hornet's nest, Jesus knew his immediate popularity wasn't going to last. He wasn't coming to Jerusalem to free the Jewish people from Roman oppression, which was the popular understanding of the Messiah's coming. He was coming to redeem the people of God and establish the church to reconcile all nations and races to a right relationship with the creator and sustainer of life without end. Jesus came as the one who saves humanity from the curse of sin and death for all who believe that he is given all authority with regards to life, life eternal, And to accomplish this will of his father, Jesus was willing to give up the popularity that was rising within the crowds who were anticipating political prominence once again. He gave up popularity in the moment to be God's offering of sacrificial love and grace to the world. Friends, as followers of Jesus, we too are to give up popularity to be God's witnesses of sacrificial love and grace offered in Jesus Christ. What does giving up popularity provide for us? Well, the root of popularity is approval and acceptance. We have a natural longing to be accepted is one way that we perceive our self-worth. Also, popularity suggests that there are many people that influence our behaviors to remain in good standing. How popularity impacts our lives depends on with whom we are filling our longing and how we act when we are with them. In our lesson, Jesus and his disciples had touched many people in their ministry in Galilee and throughout their journeys. They felt a true sense of belonging with one another, and as their numbers grew, their confidence grew. And when Jesus mounted the colt, he he fulfilled a scriptural reference the prophet Zechariah proclaimed regarding the long-awaited Messiah. The simple mounting of the colt triggered the disciples who had been following Jesus to celebrate this public declaration of of Jesus' identity. Then as they came down the Mount of Olives, Matthew described, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So in the midst of the crowd, with no opposition around them at that point, they are bold with their proclamation of Jesus as the Messiah. In the moment, they felt good about their actions since they were accepted by everyone there. It was safe and they fed off of each other. It would have been difficult for anyone in the crowd to not follow along with the celebration. 
Friends, we, when we depend on the acceptance of the crowd to assure us of our popularity, we make decisions based on the crowd. Giving up popularity provides protection from seeking acceptance from the crowd. You see, we are called to live in the likeness of Jesus, but often we find ourselves in a crowd who walk a different path. We need to stand with Christ regardless of any criticism that we may get when we, well, don't join the crowd to feel accepted. A writer for Christianity Today, Clark Cothern, he's a contributor to the uh, Christianity Today uh, publications, he suggested with a little tongue-in-cheek that if we tend to be crowd-pleasers, We might need to join Criticism Avoiders Anonymous, or CAA, to help us to remain true to our call to follow Jesus. He outlines a a six-step program. Step one, I will admit that I'm not perfect. Step two, I will accept the fact that conflict will always exist. Step three, I will not avoid conflict, but rather will speak truth even when others disagree. Step four, I will bend truth with tact and timing so as not to blow others away. And step five, I will seek courage from other truth tellers. And step six, when I slip and fall back into criticism, avoidance, I will go to a CAA meeting. At a CAA meeting, the one who would have to admit their mistakes, take responsibility for their own actions, and ask for strength to go out to tell the truth boldly with compassion. And as someone was working through these steps, they were to pray this, God, grant me the courage to speak the truth, the love to speak it compassionately, and the wisdom to know when to keep my mouth shut and when to open it. I think Cothern's point is that followers of Christ must accept their commitment to Jesus, accept that it outweighs any acceptance that we receive from others. Friends, when we get together in small groups with our brothers and sisters of Christ, it could be like a CAA meeting. We can support each other. We can keep one another accountable. We can encourage one another to stand firm with Jesus. So when we find ourselves in the midst of a crowd who don't know Jesus, we will stand firm. The celebration of the crowd coming down the mount had to have been exciting, energizing, and empowering. You know, when a crowd is unified like that, the security uh, that you sense promotes freedom to speak, sing, and shout. What brings you together? But what happens when the crowd encounters a more dominant presence? Well, we can see what happened when the crowd following Jesus made it to the gates of the city. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. 
Note how Jesus went from being proclaimed as the son of David, the son of God, to being just the prophet from Nazareth. When the crowd no longer felt secure, when the thousands of pilgrims coming for the Passover questioned Jesus' identity and were alarmed by the proclamation of the crowd of Jesus being that he is the Messiah, their witness was minimized. Their confidence in their popularity suddenly was overwhelmed by their fear of insecurity. And Jesus was no longer a Messiah to them. Maybe a prophet. When we depend on our popularity for our confidence of witness, opposition and fear limits our witness. Giving up popularity provides opportunity to be a powerful witness. Now, the church's popular history, if we think back to the 19th and 20th century, at least for part of it, in my opinion, has made us somewhat dependent upon our crowd being the dominant one. However, however, over the past 40 years or more, the the church has lost its prominence. Today, many Christians fail to be a bold witness outside of the comfort of their church walls. Fear has limited our witness with the loss of our popularity. We must give up our need of popularity. We don't need it. The love and grace of Jesus Christ, who reconciles us with God, can be made known to the world when common folk like us with an uncommon courage empowered by the Holy Spirit, oppose the oppressive ways of the world to stand with the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Historically, we've seen it when Christians have given up popularity, the glory of God has been displayed in their witness. Some examples to think about. They may have been a while ago, the organizers of the Underground Railroad combating slavery, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the confessing church of the 1930s aligning with Jesus and not with Hitler and the Nazis, and of course, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and those he inspired in the civil rights movement. They had every reason to fear the masses, but their commitment to Christ compelled them to act. Now, what we face in our environment today may not be comparable to those examples, but regardless of the opposition that exists beyond our doors, we, the church, need to be able to leave the comfort from within our walls and speak freely and confidently the message of Jesus, Jesus the Christ. Now, I get it, being popular feels good, and it is good to be a part of a unified group of people who uphold the ways of God. But our focus of acceptance needs to rest on the audience of one. Ultimately, giving up popularity provides belonging with God. When we completely are completely vulnerable with God in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are able to follow the Lord's will and the strength of the Holy Spirit. 
We find our identity in Christ Jesus. And those closest with Jesus have the courage and confidence to go in his name wherever they may go. We don't need a crowd to make an impact. Hear this from Matthew. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Did you hear it? Jesus sent only two disciples to the village and he even told them that uh, there could be some opposition but they trusted fully in Christ and went as he told them well friends we have been told to go we've been told to go and make disciples of every nation this only happens if we give up our popularity and go in the confidence of our audience of one Now, this church may have become smaller in numbers in recent years, but that doesn't mean we can't be effective in our ministry to our community. Our goal can't be becoming the popular church. Our goal must be more in line with being the church that reflects Jesus' love and servanthood and shares his message of hope and a new life in him. Jesus comes in peace and offers peace to reconcile to peace and reconciliation to a world that doesn't understand his unconventional ways. Dolores Duffner, a modern hymn writer, highlighted Jesus' unpopular way and our call to follow it, writing this. O Christ, what can it mean for us to claim you as our king? What royal face have you revealed whose praise the church could sing? Aspiring not to glory's height, to power, wealth, and fame, you walked a different lowly way, another's will your aim. Our aim, our mission is different from the world's. Our king comes to us and goes with us into the world. So let us be cautious of the crowds that we seek acceptance from. Be willing to stand out in the crowd with a powerful witness and ultimately find our belonging completely in being one with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have an opportunity to be a witness through invitation this week. Who in your crowd might be longing for a a new kind of acceptance? Invite someone to join you on this journey of Holy Week. Amen. Please rise as we sing together. Tell me the stories of Jesus. Actually, don't do that. I'm getting ahead of myself this morning. This is why we need to change things around every now and then. We
on this Palm Sunday to gather around the Lord's table together. I hope that you are able to experience what it means to come to the Lord's table. The Lord meets us here in a special way. In the United Methodist Church, we talk about it being a mystery, but the Lord's presence is with us. As you come to the table this day, we come knowing that Jesus Christ has already risen. We're not waiting to find this out. Because Jesus is risen, he can be with us. And in this sacrament of Holy Communion, he is with us in a special way. So as we come, we should come understanding that we need to come with humility. So take just a moment in the silence of prayer, preparing yourself for the Lord's table. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In love you made us for yourself, and we had fallen into sin and become subject to the evil and death, your love remains steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Easter feast that renewed by your word and sacraments, and fervent in prayer and works of justice and mercy, we have come to the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the high. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit.
on the night in which he gave himself up for us. He took bread, gave thanks to you, and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant. It's been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and cup, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The table is set. It is time for you to come to experience the presence of Christ in your midst today. At this time, I'd invite those who are helping to, to serve to please come on up. This morning, we will be serving a little bit differently. We're going to invite you to come forward. We'll have two stations on either side, so this side come down to this station, this side come over to this station. You will be given both elements you are welcome to kneel to take them, to return to your seat to take them, but take them right after you were given them. We are going to not wait to the end, but receive them as you were given them. So uh, this is how we are going to do it for this time. So come as you are able and the ushers will. <laughs>
Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, we are grateful for you meeting us. Meeting us deep within our hearts and in our presence. Lord, we are grateful for this meal, this sacrament that brings us all together. That it is in this celebration of Holy Communion that we are able to celebrate each and every day as being your disciples. Amen. Please rise as we sing our final hymn this time. It's the courage you need. It's within you. It's the Holy Spirit that takes you wherever you go, knowing that it doesn't matter what's happening around you. Jesus is with you and will guide you. Go in peace in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.